BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you enjoy listening to Corology, then I need your help. Here's why. I create Chorology by myself on a shoestring budget, recording and editing every episode in my tiny closet. How's that for irony? That's where you come in. Will you help keep Chorology on the air by supporting it financially? By tipping as little as $1 a month, you can help me improve and keep making Chorology every week. All you have to do is jump over to MatthiasRoberts.com support to make a pledge and listen away. Hey, friends. This is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief in being. This is episode 62. My uh, ability to see love in places I never was able to sense or receive before is just exploded, and I'm so grateful for that. Welcome back. It's been a little while, and it feels so good to be back behind this microphone. Uh, This is thanks to you. Y'all stepped up to keep Chorology on the air, and we raised $2,500 a month needed to do so, and I am so thankful. Over 230 of you said yes to pledging monthly, uh, and we're able to keep broadcasting a message of love and belonging all over the world because of you. Thank you. I'm so excited about today's episode. Alison Stoner is an accomplished actress, dancer, and recording artist who is known for her performances in blockbuster movie franchises Step Up, uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, uh, her voiceover work in TV shows like uh, Phineas and Ferb, uh, dancing in music videos for Missy Elliott and Eminem, and then most recently, her new music. Earlier this year, Allison came out publicly via her single When It's Right and an essay in Teen Vogue sharing her journey of falling in love with a woman for the first time. She gets into this a little bit more in this episode. Currently, Allison's hard at work on new music. She's set to release a new single in January 2019, and she also remains active in the voiceover world and can be heard on the Amazon Prime series Pete the Cat, Disney's Milo Murphy's Law, uh, and she'll reprise her role in Phineas and Ferb in January 2019. I met Allison several weeks ago at a wedding. Uh, Actually, it was Tori and Alex's wedding, if you remember from season one. Uh, They got married a few weeks ago. Congratulations, Tori and Alex. Uh, And Allison and I got into an incredible conversation around faith and sexuality there. Uh, And I asked her if she would want to continue that conversation here on Queerology uh, so you all can listen in. And here we are. 
I have no announcements this week other than another big thank you for keeping Corology on the air. Uh, so let's just go ahead and dive in. Allison, hi, welcome. Hello. I'm so excited to have you on Queerology today. Thank you. Thank you. So to start, the question that I ask everyone, how do you identify? And then how would you say that your faith has helped form that identity? Oh, the hot seat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, today, I feel honest in identifying as a white cisgender woman. Um I don't feel comfortable labeling my sexual orientation or even my faith at the moment, not because I'm afraid of the words themselves or uh, being stereotyped, but because there's a certain magic happening in uh, letting the sediment keep swirling in the water versus uh, like forcing it to settle and land somewhere. And I'm being so transformed because of mystery that I want to stay here for now. I seem to be able to love better and and wider and deeper from here for now. I love that. That, that like that that idea of mystery because I think any <sighs> I think anytime we, we like, I mean, I feel like you're kind of highlighting this. Anytime we use labels, there's a certain certainty that's established um, right. that that can then make things hard. That that mystery then somewhat disappears in a way. Yeah, um, and, and I would say words ultimately are merely symbols anyway. You know, they have the meaning we give them. I can say. This is a poor example, but I can say I hate you, but infuse true love and affection. And if you didn't understand English, you'd feel the intention more than the definition of hate. So we have to recognize the silliness and frivolousness of words when we're trying to describe an incredible universe. You know, in my opinion, people and and within the church, my experience, we get hung up on words and we develop somewhat of a this or that, where do you stand on this topic? Yes or no checklist approach to know like who's in and out of the faith. And I mean, I'll go off on a quick tangent. We forget that there have been hundreds of translations and iterations of the Bible and we're not necessarily even practicing the same thing they were back in the day anyway. So, you know, yes, we've, we've got to respect that mystery is, is wonderful and beautiful and trans- I, I mean, my mind is going to like, I mean, you, you mentioned the Bible, but like that idea of like the divine God is, mm-hmm. is mystery. And I think I always think about that. Like if we, if we believe this idea that, that humanity is created in the image of the divine, mm-hmm. whatever that means, I feel like we have to acknowledge that there is going to be mystery present everywhere. Oh yeah. And uh, if, if, you don't have the capacity or space for all people, all perspectives, all educational views, then are you really able to see the um, the divinity in every material thing, every material being? And that's something I noticed just over the last several years. Um, my uh, ability to see love in places I never was able to sense or receive before it is just exploded. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, 
it's really untethered a lot of, uh, I guess, fear of otherness, fear of, um, I don't know, anyone who's on the outside. I mean, what is the outside anyway? We're just, I'm sorry, you're going to get, you're going to get to a point where like, oh, <laughs> we're explaining everything away. Suddenly there's nothing left. And I'll be like, yes, emptiness, we've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like the soul soothing emptiness. Mm-hmm. It's real though. <laughs> yeah, right? But you don't hear that in church settings. I mean, no. contemplation and mysticism is like, you know, paganism is like abhorred and these deplorable, you know, people who talk about an embodied faith and God forbid we're connected to our physical earth suit while we're here. Like, come on. Anyway. I mean, yeah. Like I'm like over here being like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I have to remember, you know, I'm 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 nervous about speaking so candidly right now because like I was telling you, it's been a long time since I've had a public conversation about faith and spiritual formation. And, um, you know, the mainstream culture tends to feel like the big kid with the power. And, and I'm, I currently feel smaller because, you know, my faith historically fell within very safe parameters. And, and now just by sheer authenticity, I'm probably offending or scaring people or I'm on the fringes and I'll lose uh, people's trust, but we have to talk about these things. And again, I'm just grateful that you you create that space. I'm curious because you're, you're talking about this kind of historical faith that you have held mm-hmm. um, and and now kind of where you're at. And I would imagine, um, <laughs> and you have spoken about this, like it has been a journey arriving yes. to mm-hmm. where you are now yeah. and it will continue to be a journey. But right. I'd love to kind of hear about some of that process of where you've been. Oof. Okay. I would love to, I've never actually teased this out. So you're in for a ride. Um, I would love to first point out that I recognize I carry patterns from my past um, family dynamics and, you know, things outside of the faith, so to speak, outside of the church into my relationship with God, right? So if I'm a perfectionist, then I become a Christian perfectionist. And if I had a difficult relationship with my father, then it was harder for me to call God dad, but easier for me to call God God for a while, you know, until God became the father I uh, thought I was missing and blah, 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 blah. So there's all of those layers. Um, then, of course, there are the layers in hindsight I'm beginning to recognize, like my own geography. Um, I was going to a, a very uh, radical, evangelical, um, non-denominational church. And, you know, things like don't ever get horizontal with the person because you'll get pregnant and die. Um, and like never wear clothes that show anything below the neck. Um, you know, so really conservative, um, even though they would tell you that they were provocative, you know, um, and progressive, whatever that means. Um, and so over time, I'll also say it got tethered in with my entertainment background. Um, there was almost a showmanship and a performance that I think many Christians can relate to, but being in the public eye, I couldn't truly be vulnerable with things I, you know, was wrestling with. I had to 
kind of become almost the public figure and face for young Christians. Um, I was asked to speak at congregations before I was even spiritually mature, just because I was a child star in Hollywood. And I have these very interesting experiences of recognizing how the Christian culture is actually really reflective of like consumerism and capitalism and commercialism, individualism, all of these uh, ideologies and concepts and constructs um, that I now have words for, thankfully. But in the moment, it felt like I'm simply using my platform for Christ and I'm um, called to do this, that, and the other. And anytime I fail, it's because Satan has a target on my back. And, you know, there's that sense of like, American exceptionalism as well embedded in there. So um, I've been a lot of places, but I will say it was mostly and consistently black and white, very linear. Um, And I took a lot of pride in that. I had a huge ego boost every time I could quote more scriptures, you know, than the person next to me, but do it in a way that was supposed to sound encouraging, inspirational. and as time went on, you know, the the real like impetus for change was me uh, being attracted to a woman. I mean, talk about startling and like completely conflicting with my theology and, you know, community's teachings. Um, and that was the beginning of deconstructing and examining all the filters and just how all those pieces got there. And, you know, I, I felt like I was able to be mentored by some really wonderful people um, and still am and constantly finding new teachers. Of course, you can learn from everyone. Um, And yeah, now it's sort of like I'm examining the mosaic that was me, that is me, um, letting go of some pieces, keeping some, transforming others. Um, And I don't know if I'm ever going to totally rebuild. It's just continue to, examine and know mm-hmm. yeah. you talk about in um the piece that you wrote your kind of big quote-unquote coming out piece that you mm-hmm. published last march about <clears throat> like this this experience of kind of breaking down in your bed crying and mm-hmm. saying something like god like if i'm evil then then i accept this uh, and, and then you talk about this moment of thinking like that would plunge you into despair, but experiencing deep love instead. Yeah. I, I've never really talked about this openly. So thanks for the opportunity. Um, you know, recently I was at a screening for a movie called Boy Erased, um, which talks about conversion therapy. And I had a moment with a really wonderful woman at the end and we cried in each other's arms in the bathroom. Um, and I tried to explain this moment to her, um, a little bit, but you can never quite articulate something that's so personal and so vivid, uh, especially years later, you know? Um, but in that moment, I was ready to accept that I was demon possessed, that I, was uh, if we're talking about like Calvinism and predestination, I was ready to accept that God had already destined me for hell. And, and that's why I couldn't change this. Um, and 
I, I mean, I, I was a mess. I was a wreck. And that moment of feeling freedom, it was very still. It, it wasn't a sensationalized, um, super emotional moment. It was like a glimpse of clarity and um, a window that I didn't see in the room before. And it wasn't at all about finding the solution or changing my theology or um, the this or the that's. It was just simply being held and still and quiet. And I think that's important to recognize that I spent a lot of time in, in very loud churches where the louder you pray and the more words you pray and um, the louder the music, the higher <laughs> to God <laughs> you get. And um, I'm such an introvert to begin with, but also uh, silence and solitude and, and, and meditation are so crucial for um, the spiritual experience. I've always admired monks and um, my therapist would use the phrase, you're a, a monk without a monastery. And I, in that moment, kind of experienced like the first glimpse of what my future might look like, where my spirituality might be very different from someone else's, but God apparently hadn't given up on me. Um, I had no answers. I was actually totally okay with being like, hey, we're just going to be enemies and I, I can't do anything else. I can't change this. I really tried. Um, and yeah, that was the beginning of being okay with not knowing. And I guess I've, I've never felt like I understand God, the divine spirit realm, everything more than when I connect with the unknown. I'm rambling. I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm no, processing. No. That's, <laughs> no, I mean that honestly, that doesn't feel like rambling to me because I'm mm. hearing I'm hearing this really beautiful experience of getting in touch with I mean, this is gonna sound so woo-woo, but getting in touch right. with a deeper level of energy and love. Mm-hmm. That is that is in the world, and I and I feel like I mean you're telling your story, but it, it makes me think of so many other stories of getting to that point of like, God, like I don't know what else to do, and if this means we're not in okay terms, then like mm-hmm. so be it, because I know what's in my body, like yeah. and and then realizing on the other side of that that there is love, um, <laughs> and the word transcendent entered my vocabulary. Mm. I finally understood that there is a space that exists beyond the rights and wrongs and beyond, um, sorry, I live near an airport. (laughs) Really trying to drive home a point here, (laughs) but there, there is a transcendent place. Um, and as you ascend, you stop picking on people and on yourself and you start just living and being able to coexist, which I know is a very scary word for many Christians, but I simply mean peaceably recognizing if you prefer to say Jesus, then say Jesus in everyone and everything in every place you meet and working together toward wholeness versus uh, destruction. You know, in, in some groups, the word sin has far less to do with uh, behavior as much as like, are you just forgetting your divine nature? 
are you experiencing the shadow side because you just forgot that the light is right around the corner and it's and it is is you is in you at all times um and naturally when you come from that place of love and understanding a different behavior a different lifestyle forms you know? i i'm like so nervous to listen back to this interview what am I <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, just, I don't want to lead people to the quote unquote wrong place a harmful place and if you're untying deep-seated beliefs for someone right now it puts them in a vulnerable place and I always want to make sure they have the support to navigate the nuances and their own suspicions and doubts and and reconcile them and you know with with your therapy background with my background as being in therapy for so many years, we have to help each other return to a place of resilience. So we're not entering manic states or depressive states and just feeling like so overwhelmed by all of this. And I wish that kind of nurturing and support was offered in the church, but I don't, I don't always find, I guess, that level of um, emotional intelligence, uh, mental health education I would love to to see a little bit more of that if we're putting that out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that kind of I mean I think goes to a good next question is like so so if you weren't able to find support in the church, which is an incredibly common story, like that's my story. <laughs> yeah, it's so sad, right? Like where what like what were were the support structures that you did find? <laughs> Oh, all of them in the beginning were so gay. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> um, so my my first girlfriend, um, all of her friends, some of them were Christian and uh, identified as gay or within the queer community. Um, but for the most part, there was still a, like a separation there. Um, however, their ability to just like welcome me with open arms um, without, for the record, for, for those who are listening, thinking like they were trying to lure me in and convert <laughs> me. That's really not the case. Um, they were just there to listen. In fact, I look back now and wonder if my words were harmful and hurtful to them. Um, and, uh, and also to my, my girlfriend at the time, you know, I was so concerned with, trying to do the safe, acceptable thing. I'm not sure I ever tried to make a safe place for my girlfriend and for the queer community. And, and for that, I take responsibility. I, I have compassion for the many factors that led there. Um, and I you know, try to carry forward with all the lessons. Um, but you know, then I encountered authors like Richard Rohr um, and, and mystics, um, Celtic Christianity, um, even church history, uh, the dark night of the soul, different pieces of text, the literature, poetry that, um, Thomas Merton, for example, uh, new seeds of contemplation. He, he wasn't afraid to use, uh, poetic language that might not like be the standard format for describing the Christian experience. Um, and I needed that. I just needed a larger vocabulary. Um, and I, I found that through people who were willing to wrestle with mystery and for people who didn't feel like they had to protect their own reputation with, which in my experience, oftentimes were people who, um, weren't 
super hardcore affiliated with an institution. You, you just mentioned um, this wondering of whether you had maybe when you were first taking these steps, um, wondering if you maybe hurt people in the queer community. Oh. That, that made me think of like, I have those stories of things that I said as I was yeah. just beginning to step out of like, yeah. I will never be a person who thinks that homosexuality is okay. Like, and I yeah. said that to gay people <laughs> mm. <laughs> as a means of self-protection, but it was a reflection right. of where I was at. And I'm curious, like, as you've stepped along, you mentioned compassion. How do you find the compassion for that Oof. Allison? Oof. <laughs> Many tears. Um, to be honest, I cry way more now, way more often, and <laughs> uh, way more, uh, I guess, ugly um, in, in a wonderful way. Um, and it, it happens almost every day because I finally have breathing room to let things surface and be reflective. And, you know, we're all so busy with our schedules. So healing is a process that takes time. Very, It's very subjective, right? Um, but having compassion for my younger self is, is hard. Um, most evidently, when I think about my, <clears throat> excuse me, my uh, first girlfriend and how much harm and destruction resulted from that relationship. And of course, out of respect for her until, you know, she gives me full permission to share. Um, I'm not sure it's totally necessary, but there were just so many struggles um, because of my faith. And and that's okay. Um, but man, to think that I've contributed to someone else's scars is heartbreaking. And I, I just hope that I'm continually more um, sensitive and, and, and uh, I, I walk in a, a real humility where I'm able to be corrected and held accountable moment to moment. Um, you know, this reminds me also, and it, it's adjacent, and I know you'll understand. Um, I was once speaking to a congregation of people of color as a really young baby Christian. And why? I was so out of touch with their day-to-day -day experience with my privilege. You know, I'm still learning. And sure, anyone can be used at any given time. And we don't have to limit ourselves with labels, but we can do better. We can be more aware, more involved in reality and the multidimensionality of reality for all of the people around us. And way more mature about supporting people in the mess, including ourselves as we're repairing. And I just, I, I look back and I'm like, why was I in a place of, why was I teaching about things that I needed to learn, you know? Um, so it's hard. I, I don't have perfect compassion, but I will say as that increases, so does my compassion for everyone else. And that makes it so worth it right? You're like, you can't always find a reason to heal your own wounds because you're being a little self-deprecating or whatever the issue is. You're melancholic and you just like it sometimes. Yeah. Self-indulgent, whatever. <laughs> um, then remembering that like the degree that I love myself is the degree that I can love others is like, all right, let's do this. Like, let's dive in. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was, I, I was literally just talking to a group about this just like two nights ago about that, that sense of, of 
we really cannot, cannot love others right. unless we love ourselves, which right. sounds, I mean, to my young Christian ears. <laughs> Why isn't Christ your identity? Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Because I think we're, we're taught, we're, we're inculturated into at least the theological system that I was brought into mm-hmm. was a sense of, of the quote unquote, hate what is evil. And mm-hmm. we were the evil ones. And, oh, yes. and then love can't flow out of that in, in my mind now, like th- there's uh, a disparity oh, I, there. Yeah. And I, I find it so interesting that, um, you know, Christians, uh, of course, I cannot use generalizations, some Christians, there's this notion that we're, you know, awful sinners and to live as Christ and anything else is like, not, <laughs> you, you can't claim that you're good. You can't claim that you're perfect or whatever. Um, and and there's a, a lot to discuss there. I'm not sure I'm the one or it's the time to try and do that. But um but then, yes, going into recognizing that some Christians don't understand their uh, the mental frameworks in which they process their faith and experience and navigate everything relates a lot to like modernism and the Enlightenment and shifting eras where uh, logic and rationale and empirical data became dominant and like trusting the body and intuitive intelligence and alternative medicine became unreliable. Um, and then as you've mentioned in other episodes, they don't always see that, you know, for example, a a white American evangelical Christian might not know the parasitic relationship between Christianity and white supremacy. Um, or like how often do you hear pastors willing to use less rehearsed terms to describe LGBTQIA plus youth, uh, issues and like the suicide rates, like, will they talk about that in the congregation? How many sermons have you heard relay Jesus's counterculture radical love to getting involved with policy and advocacy and activism to upend oppressive systems and focus on the collective liberation of all and not just spiritually but legally like you know a, a part of me is just like ah wake up <laughs> Don't supporting people who've never left the comfort of the home like or if you uh, if you can't recognize love within yourself like can you can you notice how that how that has played out in your life. And might there be, might there be another way of seeing it, whether you choose to, to ascribe to it or not. And, and when I think about prayer and how my prayers used to be so full of requests and like, you know, what is your will and blah, 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 blah. And, and that's uh, wonderful, fine. Everyone has their own hairstyle, but like also pray with your hands and feet and be inclusive. If you're differently able pray with the actions you are uniquely equipped for, like don't just keep chatting, like one listen and also two uh, act. (laughs) Um, And I haven't seen a ton of that in my particular uh, faith groups. To me, it's like so reflective of God's nature or, you know, just the shared um, cosmic universal nature of everyone who is here with us if you don't, uh, you know, ascribe to Christianity. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, and, and you're talking about, I mean, you had mentioned kind of the, the enlightenment and, and modernism and, and this movement away from our bodies. Um, and then talking about um, letting our faith practice move us in in ways that are physical, <laughs> that are that involve bodies. Um, it, that makes me think. Oh, I, no. <laughs> Um, uh, and I mean, that just that makes me think like you're a dancer. You like you move for a living. Uh, um, and I'd be so curious about whether you feel a connection there in in your spirituality and in creativity and movement and embodiment. Um, I do now, but I did not. I felt imprisoned by it and betrayed by it mostly. Because wanting to represent, you know, a hard-headed linear version of faith in an entertainment industry where you have to tell stories about people going through everything, you feel very limited. Um, but again, also that strange ego boost of like, but I'm going to stand in integrity and only talk about things in one way until people understand and fall in line. Um, and then with dance, I was so uncomfortable in my own skin. You know, I was very prudish anyway for many reasons. Um, and, and my faith kind of con- contributed to that. Um, I didn't date until after I was 18. I was in certain like dance classes that were provocative and all I could hear were like scriptures and like, I, I wasn't able to explore anything cause there was just no freedom. Um, and I didn't want to get it wrong. I just wanted to be perfect Christian for God, you know? Um, and I, I look back and I'm like, Oh no, like, where did we, where did we get off the path? Like the body, Oh, is full of intelligence and, and guidance and wisdom. And wow, it's, it's, it's your gift. It's your, like, it's giving you clues all day long as to what feels right and doesn't feel right. Safe, not safe. Um, your gut is holy. Like using the word gut as a Christian to me f- five years ago would have been like, ooh, can you at least say the spirit? You know, can you at least say the Holy Spirit? Um, and now I, I'm just so, so grateful for my skin, for my body. Um, and I, I have to remain grounded in it. That's sort of, I feel the way. I'm able to encounter the divine all day long, as opposed to having to retreat to a prayer room and pray for an hour to get back in contact. You know, my cells are a reflection of the divine. I, I, everything is spiritual. I remember going to, um, I believe it was a Rob Bell. That sounds uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a Rob Bell uh, uh, conference. And for the record, I had only ever listened to interviews of him years prior during which I like scolded <laughs> um, and finally when I was able to hear him firsthand relay the full story I went oh and of course I was there standing next to my girlfriend at the time and even she who didn't come from the church we were like okay this is sort of a happy middle ground for now while we're figuring out what this is we don't have to agree with everything. We don't have to disagree with everything. Um, but he connected a lot of dots for me and he brought the body into the equation and he brought science into the equation. And I was like, Oh wow, this doesn't sound like some 
kind of like whitewashed uh, evangelical washed version of science and body where you still like are scared to really talk about how things feel in your body. Um, it was a real rooted, rooted uh, uh, display. So again, I am just rambling today. I love it because again, and I know I just said this, but it, it, to me, it doesn't feel like rambling. Like I feel okay. like all of these things are so deeply connected. Um, Mm-hmm. in the way everything is connected everything is connected everything is spiritual <laughs> everything is spiritual even if you don't use the word spiritual i just yes. i invite everyone who's listening who might have come from my audience and is not christian mm-hmm. or wh- whatever you feel about things like if the word spiritual is uncomfortable i am so okay with recognizing like that there are literal frequencies and energies that you can measure scientifically. And that's, that's okay. Like that's abs- more than okay. That is real. <laughs> it's true. Um, so I just want to be as inclusive as possible. And thankfully I'm, I'm no longer intimidated by like uh, getting the words right and wrong. Yeah. Um, that's, that's been super freeing. Although I know it scares a lot of people in faith groups. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, we're taught that we have to use a certain language. And then if we don't yeah. use the right language, then we're, it's, it's the, I mean, you were talking about that kind of like in and out um, earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's a marker of who's out. And and right. I'm really grateful that you're, that you are broadening this out because whether or not we use the same language for energy, for spirituality, for, for whatever we're talking about, um, there's common experience. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to acknowledge. Um, and who am I to invalidate someone else's felt experience? You know what I mean? Ooh, I was uh, when I spend time traveling, and I encounter um, Christians, non-Christians, all humans everywhere, and they use different language. I, I couldn't imagine taking their stories away from them and denying them because they didn't use my English Western, you know, language. Oh, and I just wish, I guess, more more people could see the beauty and diversity and how we can be united in that. And there's richness in it as opposed to like that us versus them spiel. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Should we come back up to the surface and talk about uh, what your favorite movie is? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feel like we've been diving into the trenches. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's bring it back up. And what is your favorite movie? Oh, uh, fun fact: I don't watch films. Really? Uh, yeah, I watch documentaries, but uh, it's, yeah, I don't listen to podcasts. So here we are. That's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. So I so I guess this is a question that I've I'm realizing I've I've started asking a lot of people, uh, and um, at the end of an episode, but like. For people who are listening to this podcast, who are in places that you have been before of that, that fear or that, like everything that you've kind of described this episode of, of what life was like in the midst of um, a more, I mean, this is strong language, but in my mind, a more oppressive religious structure. Mm. Um, for people who are just beginning to realize that there might be something different about them, uh, or that their mm-hmm. their faith identity isn't f- isn't quite doing it anymore, and and the terror mm-hmm. that comes with that. What would you say to those people? I 
I always lead with curiosity. Um, and not just because being curious is like affiliated with queer culture, um, but having a posture of curiosity allows room um, and doesn't jump to conclusions and it, it doesn't lead with judgment. There's a, a compassion there. You're just asking questions. And, um, and, you know, I had to learn how to be an ally to myself. Um, but if you can appreciate that, uh, opportunity, um, learn how to love yourself in this process and check in. And uh, if you feel like you can't talk to anyone yet, of course, there are so many um, podcasts and, and, and books and, and things that you can look up and I encourage you to do so. Um, but talk, talk it out, write it out with yourself and develop that really strong and nurturing uh, relationship there. Um, because it's going to help you be able to communicate with other people eventually, as well as recognize after communicating whether their response is um, bringing harm to you, or if it's uh, if it's a safe place to continue exploring. Um, and just know, I mean, you're so okay. You really are, and there's nothing wrong with you. And man, I, I wish I understood that a lot sooner. Um, and, and if I can try and bring a little bit of lightheartedness to it, um, the more you get to know yourself, the less surprised you're going to be about anything else. Um, and it, it really is freeing because you're slowly escaping this like jail cell. Um, and you know, I do things sometimes now instead of being like, oh, wow, that was awful or, oh, what a mistake. I'm like, oh, I remember the last time this happened because I spent time getting to know myself and I can uh, observe how if, I, if I'm not mindful, this will become a pattern or it already is and I'm ready to kind of break free from it. So it just, just enjoy this invitation into intimacy with self, with uh, God or who whatever you consider um, a higher source, or if no higher source, that's also okay. Just be okay with where you are in the process. You do not have to arrive somewhere right now. Um, and, you know, as I said in the beginning, like the mystery is the destination in many ways. Um, there is just so much awesomeness to mystery and if you can, if you learn how to encounter mystery, um, you're, there's going to be some kind of like special perspective that you're able to have in situations where other people might be bound to more linear constructs. Um, and it might even, it might even help you become the bridge in the future to, you know, polarized groups. So yeah, just, uh, you know, listen to me or not, you can just throw everything I said away too. That's fine. <laughs> but know that I support you and I'm, I'm here for you. I'm thinking of you. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, thank you, Allison, so much for joining me. Uh, thank you is, for letting me speak. This, oh my God. <laughs> this has been a blast. And, um, oh, I'm yeah. so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, thank uh, you. Yeah. Thank you for everything you're doing. This podcast is so crucial. Allison is on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Stoner. She's also on YouTube 
the real Allison Stoner. Uh, you can spend lots of time checking out her new music and her music videos over there on her YouTube channel. I did that instead of editing this episode, and it was a lot of fun. Quirology is on Twitter and Instagram, at QuirologyPod, or you can tweet me directly, at Matthias Roberts. Quirology is supported by its listeners. To help keep spreading a message of love and belonging, pledge a dollar a month or more over at MatthiasRoberts.com support. A really easy way to help support Quirology is by leaving a rating and a review. Do that right in your podcast app or head over to MatthiasRoberts.com review and it'll take you right there. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear on the podcast or just want to say hi, reach out. I'll get back to you. And until next week, y'all, bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.